Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Have you ever wanted to try something but felt you didn't have the experience to do it? Building a new skill is challenging, but with things like perseverance, community, and time, it can be done. On this episode, video game designer Shara Meredith shares her journey from Googling how to make a video game to actually creating one. Her upcoming title is called Closer Than You Know, an adventure game for kids who play as Sam, a girl who goes on a quest to save her planet, where hope has been outlawed. Our discussion covers a variety of topics, from how to build on your experiences to finding similarities between stories and puzzles. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and if you do, please consider sharing with a friend. Doing so really helps the podcast grow and is much appreciated. Welcome to the show, Shara. It's great to talk with you. Hi, John. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So when did you first start designing games? I started about six and a half years ago now when I literally Googled how to make a video game. (laughs) I had no intention of uh, becoming a a game developer or starting a company or anything like that. I really had this one idea for a project that I wanted to do for my kids and uh, thought, well, I'll just see how hard this is and see how far we get. And it turned into a whole big thing. And now I'm I'm just in love with it. So uh, I'm happy to call myself a game developer now. Now, is this game that was in your mind that sparked, that prompt you to search for this? Is that the game that you're developing today or are you working on a different type of project? It is the game uh, still in development six and a half years later. It turns out it's kind of hard to make a video (laughs) game and it takes a while. But uh, yeah, I started this particular project with my kids in mind. And I really thought at some point it'll just be too hard. It'll be out of our reach and we'll have to you know, either shut it down or find someone else to finish it. And all along the way, we have just been uh, blessed with great people and tools and things that have helped us to continue development. And so we are probably within a year. Don't quote me on that because I keep saying that every year. I'm like, I think we're really (laughs) close. I think we're going to release it this year. And then it takes a little bit longer, but we really are... um, I think the most realistic uh, date that we could give would be spring of 2023 that we could release it as a finished product. Congratulations on getting closer. And that's super exciting. I think a lot of other creatives, at least other authors can relate to this because I think when I first started writing a book, I thought, well, you know, it'll take a long time, but how long can it actually take? And then as I'm doing it, I'm finding, oh, it's actually really difficult. There's all these things that you don't think about. And then there's all these extra steps. And then you start to get, you get better. And then you realize all the stuff that you did early on 
was trash and you need to yes. redo it. Is there stuff, yes. does that happen in game design as well? Absolutely. You know, everything was a steep learning curve at the start. And so every new skill that's required, I would have to, you know, Google and watch some tutorials and, and develop that skill a little bit. And then a year later, I've worked on that for quite a while. And now I know some new tricks and I know some things that I didn't know before. And so, you know, I go back and look at some of my older work and, and think, oh, we've got to redo this whole section. So it is finding the the ability to work with that in a, and work with a method that doesn't require redoing everything all the time. That's like, that's a skill in and of itself. And also learning when to say enough is enough. I don't need to keep redoing this section. I need to move on. Uh, that's also been a challenge. You talked about certain ways of identifying that. How do you take a look at something and decide, oh, this is worth more time and redoing, or this is something that I need to roll with? Right. So that's really hard as a um, indie developer, solo developer. Um, I have a few other people who work with me on the project that help out, but it's a small team. And so we wear a lot of hats and occasionally one of those hats has to be, let's look at the game from the perspective of our player and let's see what kind of impact these things are making. And do we need more to make the impact that we want? And so as a, as a designer, as a developer, there are things that I think would be really fun to code or to put in the game or some artwork that would be really neat to have. But if it doesn't make the impact for our player, or if it's really irrelevant to their experience, then um, then it's really just kind of indulgent. <laughs> and, and we have to decide that, okay, maybe that's not worth it for this point in time. If we have extra time, if we have capacity at the end, maybe we could go back and do that. But But trying to just zoom out for a little bit and look at it from the perspective of our player is helpful. That's really fascinating too, because there's the same process with writing where you have to think of the audience. You have to think of kind of, it helps to zero in on kind of one made up or maybe even real yes. person that you know, and think about how they might respond to it. Now you design, or the game that you're currently designing is geared towards kids. Is that right? It is. It is. We picked kids five to eight as our target age, um, because at the time when we started that that age group was really near and dear to my heart. My son was turning five and I could just see this little glint in his eye that he believed he was this big kid at age five. And in my, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you're still so tiny. You're still so little, <laughs> but he was ready for big kid things. And so we, we called it a big kid game for young kids. Oh, that's clever. I like that. So now you have kids of your own who were that age, but I guess six and a half years have, have they... They are now too old for my game. Yes. yes. <laughs> so so is it difficult to, because I know, so I write, the, the current books I'm working on are for middle grade audiences. And it can be difficult to find someone to be in that age group and take a beta read of the book or yes. uh, especially like they always recommend getting someone you don't know. And it's like, okay, it's, it's hard enough to ask someone you know to read your book. <laughs> and then it's even harder to ask a kid you know to read the book, but then it's this other layer of like, well, a kid you don't know, you need to kind of track down and get their feedback. Right. Is right. that difficult for you too? It is. It's tricky. And it, especially, you know, with a, a game and, and a book is the same way, but there are layers of polish that you put on it, right? And sometimes you don't know if it's going to hit the right notes until you get enough layers on there. 
So I can I can program something, but it's not going to look really great until we get the artwork in there. And then we get artwork and then we still need sound. And now we need some voice acting and, and all these layers. And so there is a little bit of guesswork. Even when you do get it in front of a kid to play, you kind of have to watch their expression and see okay, are we at least on the right track? You know, maybe with a couple more layers, we'll hit the notes that we want to be hitting at this point. But we at least have to see if we're on the right track for what we're hoping to accomplish. Yeah, and that must be useful to being able to watch someone play it. Um, That's the best way that I've found, yes. So are you looking for, like, do you zero in on certain moments that, that you wonder might be either too difficult or not connect or do you kind of look at the fuller experience? How do you go about testing things out? Yeah, so our game is a point-and-click adventure. So there's, um, I grew up on those. I don't know if you've ever played the old like King's Quest series or Myst or any of that stuff. It just conjures up good memories for me. Um, so the pace of that game, of those kinds of games, are there are lots of narrative, lots of story, and then you have these puzzles kind of in between the story that you uh, where you stop and do something really gamey and have to figure out how to get to the next scene or do the next thing that's in the story. And so um, we do try to test the puzzles individually with kids to see, you know, are we hitting the right uh, level of difficulty for our age group? Are they interesting without being too hard? And so those puzzles are fairly easy to test as isolated experiences. Um, The narrative is probably the harder thing to test because we want to see if the story is hitting the emotional notes that we want. And so we have to test that in small chunks and see, like, do they get bored when they're listening to the story play out? At what point do they do their eyes start to wander from the screen? Or um, do they look at mom to go, do I keep having to play this yeah. game that this woman put in front of me? Um, and kids, you know, especially other people's kids, uh, they don't want to say, you know, I'm bored or this isn't fun or whatever. Those That feedback that I actually really need to hear. Sometimes they're really polite. Yeah. Um, my own kids are way more critical and honest, which is is a, a, a hard thing and a good thing all at once. Yeah. It's funny because I, I've noticed that too when trying to, it, even if even if an adult is beta reading something and they might say, oh, well, it's really good. But then you like I find I have to zero in on something where I'm like, well, I really suspect there's a problem here. So then I have to <laughs> like ask very specific questions and then it might be like, oh yeah, well that's kind of, you know. And so it's, it is difficult to get, even if people want to help you, it's sometimes difficult to get that honest feedback. Um, and so I like that. I, I, I like how you describe looking at their expression or looking to mom <laughs> to yeah. see if they have to keep playing. That's that's a dead giveaway that there's right. something wrong. <laughs> like, okay, we need to stop now and go make it more fun. So you mentioned programming and are, you're designing the puzzles too. Are you also writing the narrative? How I, I know games have so many layers to them. How many of those layers are you doing yourself and how many are you having someone else do? Yeah. So I, I hired an artist full-time um, because I, my drawing skills capped at about second grade and that's, that's just all I've got. So, um, But I do the programming. I do the design. I do the puzzle design, narrative, writing. I do some of the animation, but I do also have an animator that helps out with some of the more complex animations. 
I have a sound designer that comes in and out as needed and, uh, and a composer. We hired someone to do music. That was a really important piece of it for me. So I do wear a lot of hats. Some of them I really thought I would have to hire out. And those are things that as I just tried to educate myself, I became more and more confident in. Uh, some things I just kind of pushed through, like puzzle design. I thought people make whole games that are just puzzle games. Like this is a whole specialty. I think I would love to have someone help me design these puzzles. But the timing was always such that I only needed one puzzle at a time. And so I would just prototype something to go in there. And then we'd keep polishing it and making it better. And it turned out some of them were actually pretty fun. So we would just, we would leave it and continue with that. And so now we're at the point where we're like, well, we might need one or two more puzzles, but we've done so many that we'll just continue uh, with the method that we have now. For those puzzles, do you rely on certain concepts that are kind of well, well-known well puzzle concepts? Or how do you come up with, like, with the question the puzzle asks or the design? Like, where, where's your starting point for that specifically? Yeah, that's a good question. I like to look at real-life activities and real-life puzzles, um, things that are physical, especially, you know, young kids. Preschoolers have a lot of physical things that they manipulate that we call puzzles. You know, you match shapes and you match colors and that's a good place for me to start because I can think spatially. I have something in my head that I can visualize and put together. Um, so I usually start there. Uh, but there are also a lot of, there are a lot of great puzzle games out there and I enjoy those kinds of games. So occasionally I'll see a puzzle in another game that's inspiring. And I think, well, how could I make this work for our age group? How could I make it, you know, not so hard, but still interesting that's often where we're trying to land with our specific game is we don't want it to be too challenging, but we want it to feel like a, it's a big kid game for young kids, right? So uh, it's got to feel interesting. It's got to feel challenging. But if you fumble with it enough, you're going to land on the right answer. Uh, so I look to other games for inspiration for that as well. Yeah, you got it's that Goldilocks concept that's always hard to gra- hard to reach, yes. right? The not too hard, not too soft, just right. But it's yes. it's difficult. It is. It's it's hard to get a. You don't think about it when you play a good puzzle. You don't. Yeah. You sometimes don't notice it, but you notice it if it doesn't work, <laughs> if it's wrong. Yeah, and it's similar with writing too. It's like the good write. You, it's like you you don't want the writing to stand out so much, but you also want it to be something special. So I think that's again a common thread of, across all creative things yeah where you're finding this balance between those two those two wrong directions right yeah if your reader is noticing how great your writing is then they're not in your world they're not in the book world and that's where you want them to be so it is a, it's a hard hard balance to strike and it's also the fun challenge of trying to create something like that so you mentioned outsourcing like the art and now composers are coming in and sound designers. I imagine when you typed into Google or whatever search engine that you're using how to design games, I doubt the first thing popping up in your mind was like, well, I'm going to be ready to hire, you know, right. pay a full-time <laughs> uh, art designer or pay this composer. Yeah. Was there like a switch that flipped from I'm doing this as something fun to kind of pursue my original idea to, oh, this is going to be a professional production? Yeah, that uh, that's a great question. We started out, we found an uh, intern, basically. She was an artist at a school. She had one more year of school left. And so we posted 
a job opportunity for her thinking that, you know, well, we, we could get a good rate for a little while, but then she's going to graduate and we're not going to be able to afford to pay someone full time. And, and my husband and I even had a conversation when we started all this, he was really supportive and, and I, he's used to me having create like crazy ideas all the time. <laughs> so he, he was like, okay, we'll just, we'll see what this, you know, what this does. But we, we had dinner one night and said, okay, we're going to invest this much money and this much time. And then if it doesn't work, we'll know we've given it our best shot. And then, and then we'll move on. Because for us, we really actually felt like this was um, it was something God was kind of doing in us as just believers. We felt like He was asking us to go to this crazy place of faith and do something just uh, wild. And so this is what this is what we said. Well, if we do this much, we'll know we gave it our best effort. And then if we fall flat on our face, we'll say, well, we were obedient. That's all we need. And since then we have surpassed time and money and all those things way beyond what we said we were going to do. But it, it happened that after we took a few steps in that direction and we did hire an artist for a little while and we got to the end of our budget, my husband got a raise at work and we were like, well, we could go a little bit further um, and maybe we could hire her full time now that she's graduated. And so we did that and we just, we kept doing these baby steps along the way and, and really every time thinking, well, I don't know what the step after this looks like. It's probably going to be way too much or way too far or too hard for us. So we'll just take this one step and then see what happens um, and really held it with open hands the whole time. But I think God just provided ways for us all along the way to keep going. Yeah, that's a really cool story, especially like I would imagine there was also a time of having some sort of confidence in the work. Like it, like I'm imagining it wasn't, oh, we hit the end of our budget and you felt like it was a disaster. Like there there must've been, (laughs) there must've been something to encourage you to continue investing that, you know, cause it's, it's not just even the money that you're investing, but all the time. And yeah, it's a difficult challenge. Yeah, that's, it's true. And there was a, you know, for a long time, I've wrestled with confidence uh, really my whole life. And so uh, the idea of doing something that, um, that cost our family something, you know, it cost us money, it costs us time. I'm stay at home mom with my kids, you know, and I actually, actually I was homeschooling for a year and then decided I'm going to send them to school so that I can make a video game. <laughs> and that feels really weird, but it, it cost our family something. And so I really wrestled with, you know, it has to be good enough to warrant all that we're investing in this. And God has just, he's really done a lot in me with that over the last few years and really helped me tease out my performance from here's, here's my offering, you know, as a person, here's all that I have. And it is good enough because it's all that I have. That's, that's how he sees it. I guess it relieved some pressure for me to perform and to just do the best that I can, which Interestingly, like when I let go of the performance aspect of it, I actually do become better at whatever I'm doing. And so that that really helped. And then that coupled with, you know, we did start showing it to people. We did start asking people to give us some feedback on the game and, and particularly other game developers, people that we knew were already doing this well. And we got really good feedback and we got people saying that, you know, this is something special and this is a really good piece of work. And I think our willingness to do the work of it and the hard, the hard part of the creativity, you know, not just get excited about the idea and, 
and try to drum up some momentum about it, but we were actually willing to learn a lot of new skills and grind out some of the work because <laughs> I'm mean, you're a writer, you know, there are times where you just have to sit down and put words on the page, right? And I think that work really spoke well um, for the other people in our community. And so we've had a lot of other developers encourage us along the way and even offer help with some of the programming stuff where we've gotten stuck or pieces of the... Um, pieces of the game where we just, we weren't sure how to proceed. We had people actually offer a lot of support in that way. So there's just all kinds of ways where I feel like God has really allowed this to continue in places where it shouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, that's really cool. Especially again, seeing these connections between your story, like finding different people who have done it before to offer encouragement and connect with them. And then that being kind of a reward in and of itself. For sure, I've had that experience and I'm sure other people and other disciplines have as well. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love talking. You know, when I first started the podcast, I thought, well, maybe should I just do other writers kind of talking about this concept of creating things and, you know, what it means to create and how it affects us. And then I thought, well, I know so many different creatives who are everything from like guitarists to people working in movies. And I thought there's got to be something to learn here from the differences, but also the similarities. And I found that that has been so interesting to see connections where, you, you know, you might sit down and it, while you have a narrative in your game, you might not think, oh, game design and writing is going to have different points of crossover besides the words aspect. Right. But it turns out that just 20 minutes into our conversation, like it feels like there's so many things I relate to you on. And so I think that's really cool. <laughs> it is. Yeah. The creative process is, uh, it's amazing. And it, I feel like it costs my soul to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> there's so much you have to pour in. And I find that the more I talk to other people who are doing creative projects, that they feel the same way, that there's there's just something, uh, it takes a lot. There's a lot of resistance to getting started. There's a lot of effort to keep going. And then the payoff is totally worth it. This payoff that you're talking about, are you talking about the idea of finishing the game? Or are you talking about the payoff like that you were hinting at before, just the, the different personal development and the things that have come into your life because you've pursued the goal and the process? Oh, that's that's a good question. And I think I think it would be both. I haven't finished the game yet, so I'm hoping for that payoff to be really nice. But there are moments where I see someone play it or someone gives me feedback and I realize it's doing the things that I wanted it to do. And that's a really great moment, you know, that tells me that I wasn't just crazy to think that this could work. Uh, and the ideas that I have in my head, other people resonate with those too. You know, it speaks to that that I'm not alone feeling that I think we all need to hear sometimes. But there have, you know, it's been six and a half years since we started and there, there's been so many amazing people that we've met along the way. And I feel like we have community in areas, well, we have community all across the country and we talk to them online and there are people that we've met, game developers and, and people we've met along the way that now I call family. We've done holidays with them or we've traveled with them and it's just really cool to see how these kind of things bring us together. Have you felt yourself change? Not, you know, not in these, like you're mentioning ways that you've changed in terms of meeting new people and, and taking on these challenges, but ha have you felt that the 
process and learning how to do this has changed you in in certain ways as well? Absolutely. You know, aside from just growing in confidence and kind of answering this question of, am I capable of doing something like this? Uh, am I capable of finishing something like this? I think it's also required uh, me to explore a lot about how I work and my creative process. I am I am not a very structured or disciplined person, and I struggle with feeling sometimes that that is uh, it's a flaw. You know, and, and it can be, it can be something I have to work at being disciplined, but it's also a gift in that I'm extremely flexible. And when I started making a video game with two young kids at home, you know, one crawling in diapers, the other one just starting preschool, that flexibility was really useful because I could sit in the car line at, at preschool and, you know, do 30 minutes of work on my laptop, or I could take a walk and, you know, be listening to something on my phone, or I, I didn't mind working odd hours during the day. And so those kind of things I've learned about myself, it, it brought a lot of acceptance for me. And uh, and it also challenged me in ways, you know, there are times where I, I do need to be more disciplined, and I have to buckle down and get some things done. And, and so this pursuit of this project has really brought those things to light. Another thing I'll say about that is that the, you know, because our game is very narrative driven, I've had to do, I have done a lot of writing for it and we write what we know, right? So a lot of the character in, in our game, I've drawn from my own experiences. And so it's forced me to look at some places in my own life that have been hard or difficult. And, uh, and that spot too has been a place where I've grown a lot. Yeah, writing really does do that where it forces you to like uncover things that you might not want to otherwise <laughs> like yes. it, like it kind of forces you to to really take a hard look at kind of your own human nature, right? And for sure. And pick it apart and figure out things about it. Um that's cool. I, I I knew that there was narrative in your game, but I didn't realize that it was such a big driving factor to it. Now that's a whole skill in of itself. Did you feel like you were learning that separate from the game design or or had you had an experience with that before? I I may have had a little bit of experience with that before. My dad was a writer uh professionally and he he used to talk about it all the time with me and I was really close to him growing up. Um so that was maybe it was in there, you know, or at least I was around that experience. Um, and he died about seven years ago. So it was before I started doing the game. So it's been kind of interesting to go through this process. And he used to tell me that I should write and I would say, no, no, I don't have the patience for that. I don't want to do that at all. And now I'm like, oh, I really love this. Actually, this is really, it's a lot more fun than I thought it would be. And, uh, and maybe I do have it in me, you know, on a personal level, it's been really almost feeling like I get to connect with him in a way, even though he's not here. So that that's been really sweet process for me. You also were mentioning your faith before. How much of that do you find coming out in sort of the themes of your story? Do, do you see any sort of connection there or is it more of a, a looser connection? Yeah, I, you know, I started the story with the hope that I could maybe teach my kids some things that I've learned um, about God and about faith along the way. There were things that I thought, you know, if I knew that about God when I was a kid, 
I might have made different choices and life could have gone a little bit more smoothly for me. And uh, and so my desire as a parent, you know, of course, is that they learn things a lot quicker than I did and therefore have a better life than I did. Um, and so that was the catalyst for this a lot. Now, how how overt we are about that has been something that we've gone back and forth on, that we've had a lot of debate around, um, you know, just talking with my husband and, and other developers. And what we decided was that we were going to approach this as a metaphor and, and use fantasy to tell the story and, and really trust that God and the Holy Spirit would do what they do best um, and make it personal where it needs to be personal. And so, um, so my faith has absolutely influenced, I hope every bit of the story, if, if I did it well, it's going to influence every bit of the story in the game. It's kind of like that Goldilocks thing again, right? It's like, you don't want to go so on the nose that it's like, you don't want to make it some like, you know, cause you don't want to like emphasize something in this way that's like preachy or cheesy right? when like just pure scripture is the best way to kind of get the direct source of it. So you don't want to go so direct, but then you don't want to, if you want to instill those lessons, you don't want it missing either. So it's kind of finding that balance. The book I've worked on most recently, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of art, like redemption, sacrifice, found family, these sorts mm-hmm. of themes. And it's like none of them, you, you don't want any of them to feel too over the top or too that you're just telling the audience what you think you want them to be able to to discover it kind of on their own and that's a difficult right thing to figure out yeah and you know we could overdo it when we share too much and then and then what we do is i think inhibit people from seeing what it means to them uh and i think that's the beauty of story is that you know i i watched recently um was it the never ending story that I watched as a kid and loved as a kid. And I watched it recently with my kids and the, uh, it was a very different experience watching it as an adult. (laughs) I was like, I can't believe my parents let me watch this. This is so sad. (laughs) But, uh, but story will do that story will hit us very differently at different times in our lives, because I think we're resonating with it on a, on a different level, Um, based on whatever season of life we're in and experiences that we've had that connect. And so my hope is that, you know, if we, if we tell a good story, it doesn't matter where kids are or where the player is, you know, maybe adults will play it too, but uh, wherever the player is in their journey of knowing who God is, that they'll find something about the story that they can connect with that resonates um, and then the Holy Spirit will do what he does and um, and say, hey, that's me. Yeah, I've really had that experience too with different types of media, watching something again as an adult that I really liked as a kid and seeing all these extra layers that I would never have noticed before. Um, and so that's cool that you've had that experience and that you recognize that that's something that can be in the narrative of your game as well. Another thing that came to mind, the first part of your answer reminded me about how puzzles themselves are kind of like a good puzzle works in the same way that we're talking about these ideas of themes and not giving the audience the answer, but allowing them to discover it themselves. Like that's exactly what a good puzzle is because 
if you have the answer to the puzzle, it's a stupid puzzle, <laughs> you know, like it's not, well, it's not a puzzle or right. if it's way too difficult, it's the most frustrating puzzle you've ever done. So it's something that I think there's a connection there. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm a big believer that the greatest way that we absorb truth is when we experience it for ourselves. You know, if someone can tell me something and that's all fine and good, but if I have an experience that tells me something, I'm going to remember that forever. And so, um, you know, games to me are, they're interactive and they're ways that we can experience things virtually or digitally. And, and those experiences can still feel very real. And so I, I, love games for that reason, uh, because we can have that interactive element. Now, we've been talking a lot about your upcoming game, which is called Closer Than You Know. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about, there's a game that you have out that you actually designed with your son. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, that one, we called it Wander in the Dark. And we did that over the course of five days for a game jam. That's where you take this concentrated time and you see if you can make a game from beginning to end in that short period. Um, and so we eat all the Cheetos we can and we drink a ton of Mountain Dew and <laughs> we play the montage, you know, and you, you just try to get it something out there. Um, so I, my son stayed home from school for a few days. He's 11 and, you know, he's learning to code and those kind of things too. And I think most 11 year old boys want to be video game designers when they grow up. So, um, so we had this fun experience for a few days and he actually designed the, the game itself. Um, I did the coding, but he did the artwork and, uh, and he came up with all the ideas and, and I thought it was pretty clever. So we thought, well, let's just go ahead and go through the release process and see what that's like. And, um, and so we did it and we have it out on the app store. And that was, uh, that's a pretty fun thing. I don't know how many 11 year olds can say they made an app that's on the app store, but I was really proud of him for, for sticking it out with me. Yeah, that, that is really cool. Well, congratulations to him. And then as well as you on, on releasing that. Thank you. That too has kind of that author connection to it reminds me like you were saying oh go through the whole process of everything and right now i'm working on a short story that'll be released for free to you know as like a way of building a starter audience and all this stuff it also has that benefit of okay well it's it's i'm working with an editor to go through it and then a proofreader cover designer do all of the steps so then yes. when the big project comes i know you know i've, right. I've at least experienced a certain set of mistakes that could theoretically happen. I'm sure there will be more that I don't expect, but just again, adding that we talked about confidence earlier, having some sort of confidence going into something that can be really scary. So we've covered this idea a lot, this idea of the podcast, why we create, you've touched upon a lot of different reasons, but if you had to sum all of that up into uh, the question about why you create, what, (laughs) <laughs> what would you say that reason is? I would say there's just something in me that wants to experience God as a creator in that way. And I learn the most about him when I'm engaged in the creative process with him. And so that is something that I get to do where where he and I talk and I ask him, what do you think? And we get to explore new ideas. And there's really not a right or wrong in that space. And so I get to let my guard down and I get to relax a little bit and just have some fun. And the things that I learn when I'm creating are different than any other area of my life. 
So it motivates me to keep going and keep exploring new things to create. Well, that is amazing. I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast. I had a blast talking with you and learning about game development and all these connections between the, the two different crafts that we do. Where can people both hear more about the upcoming game? Where can they check out the game that you guys have out? What's the best way for people to stay in touch? Great. Uh, yes. Sopeculiar.com is our website. And so if you if you go to the website, uh, there's information about the games there. There's also an email sign up. Um, if you want to sign up for email updates, we try to send out one a month just to keep people posted on progress. And we'll also let you know through the email updates when we have our demo released, which should be coming out in the next couple of months. Uh, we'll have a free demo and then we'll have opportunities for beta testing and that kind of stuff. So, um, or voice acting, if you are interested in that and want to be a part of the casting call. So, um, so peculiar.com and sign up for the email updates would be the best way to keep in touch. Very cool. Well, thanks again, Shara. Uh, it was, it was great talking with you. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can find links to Shara's games and website in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation about making video games, check out episode 22 with sound designer Rob Kreckel. And if you like this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those two things really do help the show grow. Special thanks to Morgan Hubbard for recommending today's guest. If you have your own guest suggestions or feedback, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.